G'day and welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast. I'm your host, Turbo. And more importantly, you are a passionate Spiro that wants to become a safer, more selective, more sustainable, and a more polished underwater hunter. And that's what we do here at the Noob Spiro podcast. We interview the world's best wherever they are in the world and to gain their insights, their tips, tricks, and advice on how you can become a better Spiro. Now, today's episode is no different. We have an absolute cracker and we focus on freediving for spearfishing. And we, we do that by interviewing none other than Erez Biados. Now, he's an absolute champion. Well, he actually is an ex-world champion or ex-world record holder in freediving. But uh, more importantly, he certifies freedivers. He's a freediving instructor and he's certified many a Spiro here in Australia through his company, Apnea Australia. And uh, I've done his courses and I, I gained a lot out of uh, out of Arez's course. I uh, did his stage one. And today we talk to Arez about what you can expect on the different stages, stage one, two, and three, etc. cetera, um, in these Apnea courses and what you're gonna get out of those things and uh, and how they're gonna improve and help your spearfishing. So a big thanks to Arez for speaking with us. And before we get into that show, uh, I just want to say a big thanks to Larry Gray and Dave Keith. Uh, recently went on a reef, just got back actually, from a uh, Southern Great Barrier Reef trip with those boys, a spearfishing trip. And uh, I'm not ashamed to say they taught me a thing or two about spearfishing and uh, I learned a few things. They definitely showed me up. I think they probably shot three to my one fish. So uh, they made the, the young bloke on the trip look a bit average, but it was a, an absolutely awesome trip. We shot some great fish, some black black spot tusk fish, uh, plenty of coral trout, some mackerel, and uh, some job fish and things like that. So a fantastic trip. So thank you to those guys. And for those of you that can read, I'm going to write a little article that uh, will go up on the blog. It might even go up on Adreno, spearfishing.com.au's blog. Uh, the three things that I learned on that trip that uh, would have helped me shoot more fish. Actionable advice, that's what we do here. Shrek will be listening to this just going, I love that term, actionable. That's his favourite term ever, actionable. So yeah, three things that I learned from that trip. I'm going to write that one up, send that into Adreno for them to publish. Um, and they will be three things that really held me back from uh, shooting more fish. Okay, without further ado, let's throw it over to our anchorman, Shreko. He does an absolutely fantastic job in this interview. So uh, we hope you enjoy this. We hope you get something out of it. And we hope you start thinking about improving your freediving because it will definitely improve your spearfishing. All right, over to you, Shrek. G'day, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Noob Spiro podcast today. You're joining Turbo and I in studio along with our partner, spearfishing.com.au, who have helped us bring this show to you today. Now, you can use the code NoobSpiro at checkout at spearfishing.com.au to save $20 on all purchases over $200. That goes along with competitive shipping rates worldwide. You can also visit Adreno in their physical stores in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane and just check out a huge range of spearfishing equipment. So shop with our sponsors, spearfishing.com.au and support the NoobSpiro podcast. G'day guys, welcome to today's Noob Spiro podcast. Today we are chatting with Erez Beatus from Apnea Australia. Did I say your name right for a start, Erez? Yeah, close enough. The Erez was good. It's Beatus, but it's close Beatus. enough. Beatus. Okay. <laughs> no worries. It's uh, Israeli, isn't it? Yeah, it is Israeli. Yeah, right. So you hail from Israel. Um, can you just sort of fill our listeners in a, a bit on some of your background? Well, yeah, I, as you said, I grew up in Israel. Uh, I started spearfishing when I was like, Eight uh, in really really shallow water with a tiny pneumatic, just just off the rocks trying to um, to catch some some fish with my brother. Uh, then I did my scuba ticket, but I always sort of went back to uh, to free diving. Uh, not that there was any free diving in Israel, or that I knew what free diving was. But I just wanted to, just loved holding my breath. Uh, then I um, when I was eighteen, I sort of got stuck with 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 equal with uh, sorry with uh, deep free diving, and I found that I could dive a little bit deeper. Uh, yeah, than, right. than other people but I got stuck at around 20 meters and then after my military service when I was 21 and I started working as a scuba instructor I sort of um, decided I want to pursue this thing a little bit further so I did a, a one-day uh, introduction course with uh, with a guy in Israel and learned just learned a lot 
uh, by that and sort of went around 25 or 27 meters and decided I want to, to do that like on a more full-time basis. So we started training and then um, we had the chance to sort of train and dive with, with a couple of, um, of, of good free divers like, like Pippin from Cuba and uh, yeah. did an instructor's course with him and then you know, established the Israeli free diving team. Yeah. Uh, led them to what, six world championships, I think, something like that. Wow. Um, held the world record for a while for death. Um, taught a lot of free diving. Moved to Australia in 2005. Um, yeah, I'm a hydrotherapist by profession, so I worked in hospitals for a living for for a few years. Ah, okay. As well, when I was in Israel, and um, what what yeah. what what does hydrotherapy involve? Well, hydrotherapy basically uh, is rehabilitation in water. Yep. So if you you know you go to the hydro pools in Australia and you have shallow, usually shallow water, uh, shallow pools which are heated to around you know 32, 33 degrees, yep. and people do physio in the pools. So in Israel and around the world, there's actually a profession called hydrotherapy. So I worked with um, um, head injuries and decompression and, and infants and babies and back injuries. And you just work on uh, mobility and, and, and um, stability of joints and pain relief and uh, breathing-related um, things that, that you can use water to basically to treat. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so I think you said 2005 you moved to Australia. Yeah. Um, and you've established Apnea Australia, which is perhaps um, it's, it's probably our, our best-known freediving um, organisation here in Australia. We've interviewed Simon Tripp before, and uh, I've got nothing but good things to say about the Apnea Australia freediving instructors I've met. Turbo's even done a course with one of your blokes back in the day. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I think I did my stage A with Bjorn Nielsen, uh, oh, maybe four years ago. Uh, yeah. I met a couple of spearfishing mates through that. It was, it was excellent. And now, well, I wouldn't say I'm a good diver, but I'm better than I was. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good he, start. He's much more aware of his limitations. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when did you establish that near Australia and how did you get that all going, Eris? Well, when I moved to Australia, I was sort of vice president of, of ADA, which is the world's governing body for freedive competitions uh, and records. Um, and I was teaching the system as well. Uh, but I discovered that or realized that the conditions in Australia are so different to what I was used to, uh, uh, for example, in Israel in the Red Sea, when it's always you know, picture perfect conditions and no current and good visibility and good temperature and, and, and no waves and, you know, fish are abundant. Got to Australia and discovered that it's very, very different. So um, started developing something which is, was a little bit more oriented towards our conditions here and more specific. Um, and also because most of the students in the beginning were, were Spiros. So I sort of had to create a system which caters to the spe very specific demands and requirements of of, of Spiros that want, want to get better and do it safely. Yeah. So, yeah, so I established Apnea Australia, and um, eventually, after a few years, um, so we were fortunate enough to have the system developed to, a, to an international agency, and now we, we have Apnea International as well as, oh, wow. as a certification agency. We have instructors, you know, everywhere around the world, from, from the U.S. through to, uh, to Asia, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, um, Russia, people mm. everywhere now. Yeah, and I mean, we were chatting a little bit with you before the show, and you, it sounds like you're jet-setting to different countries every other week sort of thing. Um, with, uh, with In particular, you were talking about you know the particular conditions that Spiros face, and I know we were having a chat before the show about the differences um, in ideology sometimes with um, Spiros have towards doing freediving courses. I really want to dig into that a bit later on in the Veterans Vault with you. But um, just briefly, uh, what, how would you sort of sum up some of the differences that you implemented into the courses you developed here in Australia? Well, well it all starts from, you know, predicting, looking out at the ocean and seeing what you actually have to work with. When, you know, when you work in a place like the Red Sea or you want to work in a place like the Bahamas or, or somewhere else where conditions are good and you just rock up and you jump in and there's not much current, and it's quite 
it's quite easy uh, in a way. Whereas in Australia, when when you start spearfishing, one of the most important things to understand is that the ocean here is a lot more powerful than anywhere else that that I've experienced. You know, you stand you stand near high uh, in the water, and a wave goes through, and it just takes you off, your, sweeps you off your feet. And I've seen people rolling off the rocks over in the back of the bower in, in Manly um, yeah. by a tiny wave that picks them up like a freak wave when you're just heading heading back up. So learning how to sort of stand in front of the ocean and just look around and, and predict what you have to deal with is an adaptation that we had to make. Uh, the gear is very different. You know, everything is Australia standard now <laughs> when you're looking yeah. at, at, at gear and everything needs to be like 400 pounds or more. Uh, holding strength if you even should go for moons but uh, when you're designing a course for people that use specific gear you need to teach specific techniques as well okay. and um, yeah so other than conditions it's um, convincing in a way uh, I don't I don't think convincing may, may be the best word but make spiros understand that the, the the one up one down or body system is 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 imperative Yep. When you teach pure free diving, and it's the same with scuba diving, by the way, mm. the first thing they tell you is you need to dive with a buddy. <laughs> and everyone says, okay, that's okay. We dive with a buddy. But when you start working with Spiros, it's not enough to say you just need to dive with a buddy because it's better. Mm. Because you get a lot of stares, like it's my fish, you know, so why should I dive with a buddy? And why, should I, why should I tell anyone that where this fish went? I'll just wait an extra five seconds and dive on it again. So we had to make a lot of adaptations and, and trying to think about the, the reasons why, for example, diving with a buddy or diving in a specific sequence or constructing a session a certain way will be applicable and important enough for Spiros as well as for recreational freedivers. Oh, yeah. We've, we've had some uh, horrific stories here on the show of, you know, blackouts, like the worst case scenarios. And we've also heard some of the best case scenarios where guys have rescued their mates. And uh, I mean, that's the really extreme side of things. But then there's, you know, the more relaxed side of buddy diving where, you know, it's more working as a team and you secure more fish and have more fun at the end of the day. But it is there, there is a real lone wolf um, sort of mode to spearfishing that a lot of guys have trouble, you know, shaking. So I can see some of the challenges there from an education point of view for sure. Look, um, if we can back up for a sec, um, Ares, sure. um, right back to when you sort of started spearfishing in the Red Sea there, can you remember what obstacles you faced when you were starting out and how did you overcome them? Well, when I started spearfishing, I was around eight and I had a tiny pneumatic and I went out with my brother spearfishing in, in, in the Mediterranean Sea. Oh, okay. Uh, and the Red Sea is sort of like a marine sanctuary, so you can't spearfish there. But the but the Mediterranean is where you usually go out and spear. Okay. The main challenges that I had was lack of education, so I didn't really know what I was supposed to do. Uh, even when I went spearfishing with my brother, you end up finding yourself on two sides of it, and we usually went shooting uh, hunting for fish that are it's called chenia in Italy, uh, sort of like uh, like a black cod. Yep or like a trout, and they always stay in caves. So you end up finding yourself two people staring at each other from both sides of the cave, you know, pointing <laughs> guns at each other. So that's the first thing that we sort of discovered. Then we didn't really know what a dive float was, and definitely not a dive flag. So you end up getting like big uh, boxes and, and paint them in, in yellow and tie a rope to them, and you jump in the water with, uh, you know, a... a a hoodie and, <laughs> and try to keep yourself warm. Yeah. So a lot of technical issues when I started spearfishing. Um, then managing to go a little bit deeper because as, as you sort of went a bit deeper, you saw you saw more fish because everyone would hit the, the shallows. Mm. So finding techniques that will help me stay down longer or be more comfortable. But I think it really developed me as a as a conscious free diver and a conscious spiro. Because, you know, you find yourself doing stuff which is not necessarily the best thing to do. You know, you find yourself stuck in a fishing net <laughs> and there's no one there with you. Oh. So it's the last time you actually go out diving on your own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a significant near miss. Can, what, what, what happened there? Have you got the um, story? 
Well, um, when spearfishing in, in really sh- relatively shallow water, I would say around four or five meters. And in Israel, there's plenty of, uh, of people fishing with, with nets. And t- sometimes the nets get stuck in, on, on, the, you know, on the reef. Uh, so they just cut them, cut them loose and they go. And then you swim down and you lie on the reef and wait for the fish and you don't really see the net. And then you shoot a fish and the fish swims and he actually swims into this net. So what happened was the fish swam into a net. I tried to untangle the fish and I got tangled myself. My head got tangled in a, in a net. Uh, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to get my, take my mask off and my snorkel off. And by then my gun was tangled and my arms were tangled. I, I ended up okay. And I got up to the surface and I, 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 was, I was fine. But after that dive, I said, okay, I need to make sure I have a knife with me and I need to make sure I have a body with me. And I need to make sure that I look around when I, when I go diving because I know there's nets around. So I might decide maybe not to dive in this particular spot or shoot fish next to fishing nets. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's a, that's a perfect example of a, of, a, of a scary situation where you had some really crucial takeaways um, from it because you survived number one and it's a it's a section we do quite often in the show because a lot of guys have had these kind of you know really scary situations and they've learned a hell of a lot out of it and i think there's a lot of takeaways for the rest of us as well i mean here in australia we're not dealing with stray fishing nets very often but um quite often one of the spots turbo and i dive um there's fishing line everywhere and it's quite easy to get entangled in it and um so some guys even go so far as wearing two knives, one sort of on their weight belt and another one on their arm or their leg. And, uh, yeah, so that's pretty cool. Awesome. I do that. I always yeah. And having, yeah, when I go spearing, I always have two knives. When I teach, I have one knife and I make all my instructors carry a knife as well. Um, even if we dive just on a line and we know there's nothing around, still need to have a knife with you. But when I go spearfishing, I always have um, just – you know, an knife on my belt and another one usually on the inside of my shin. Okay. Yeah, okay, cool. All right, cool. All right, um, next part of the show is called Memorable Fish Story. And, uh, uh, again, we were chatting before the show, and um, yeah, I, I think your ethics with spearfishing have changed over the years, but overall of your sort of experience in the water, um, have you got one one fish that really sort of stands out for your ears? Uh, one fish that stands out? Uh well, it wasn't that heroic, though. Um, we were sort of, um, I was heading back from 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 a course uh, up in Forsted Tankari, and we sort of uh, were driving down with, with a mate and jumped in the water um, over in Sea Rocks, uh, yeah. just off, off the rocks there, off uh, Birchid Island, and um, there were plenty of kings around, so we sort of, uh, waiting for the, the kingies to, to, to get closer, and then a, a school of um, of yellowfin, uh, yellowfin tuna, just oh. passed. <laughs> oh wow! So just, just sort of like from the surface, I I dived down and, uh, and and got a nice like 15 kilo yellowfin off the rocks. So that was wow. that was a fun story, just to send uh, you know Ted from Fathom diving this shot. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he was like, ah, oh, man, I was like, you know what, I'd swap you with my big doggies if I could get <laughs> a nice yellowfin off the rocks. But yeah, that was a, a memorable, you know, fish. I liked it because it was like, a, it was a, a a good shot. The fish didn't really fight much and it was a, you know, it didn't really suffer much. So for me, it was a, it was a good, good sashimi. And a, and a super rare sort of experience to get them off the rocks like that as well. That'd be yeah. pretty cool. Sure. The other day we were just having a chat about what we wished was around when we were starting spearfishing and we thought, geez, I wish there was an ebook called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. <laughs> and guess what? Now there is, thanks uh, to us. Amazon.com, a cheap as chips, 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. Written by yours truly, Turbo and the Shrekinator. It's actionable information from more than 40 interviews with spearfishing experts from around the world. It's absolutely jam-packed with tips. Now, every tip is not tips. just a single tip. There's tips within tips. So There's tips over and under tips. So we had to pick a number. We're at 99. There's probably a 1,000. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe a 1,005. Possibly. So where can they find it? Amazon.com. 99 tips to get better at spearfishing by Turbo and... Shriek. Shrek. What's your name again? Shrek. 
guys, Sparing Magazine have joined the Noob Sparrow podcast to bring this episode to you today. Now, Sparing Magazine are, they're, they're actually, they're the best spearfishing magazine in the world. I'm saying it, Turbo said it, now you know it. And uh, if you head over to Sparing Magazine, you can check out the team. They've got Jeremy Gamble, John Paul Castro, Sky Bailey, Christopher Landers. You have a look, there's some f- fantastic people they've got on staff. And that's why they produce the world's best spearfishing magazine. The photography is just popping. The stories are awesome. Turbo's been rejected several times. And uh, that's how you know it's top quality. So head over to sparingmagazine.com. You can buy it. You can buy it at your local retailer in the US. We you can even get the digital subscription online, spearingmagazine.com. Erez, our, our next uh, little segment is usually called hunting technique, but I'm going to change that up. What's your favourite freediving? Uh, what's your favourite hunting technique, and how has your freediving training improved that hunting technique? Hmm. Well, uh, well, it it probably won't be a that much of a tip or revelation for probably most of you guys, um, but. Again, the same fish that we used to shoot in Israel. Um, in Israel, some people go spear fishing with with tanks, sort of like in WA. But uh, you know, it, it's it, it it wasn't le- it's not legal in Israel. Uh, people still do that. But um, what happens is that the fish become really really uh, wary yeah. of um, of spearows, and they always as soon as they see you, they swim away. So what I found myself one day doing is just lie on the instead of you know, trying to chase the fish, you just lay on the bottom behind the behind the rock and say, I just do some static on the bottom just for fun, yeah. because fish are too far, so I won't I won't get them. There's no way. So I just do some static. So I close my eyes for a few seconds once I got to the bottom, and I didn't even think about speed fishing. Hmm. Um, Ten seconds later, I opened my eyes because I felt something is different. I opened my eyes and the fish were just sitting on my on my spear gun, literally <laughs> on my spear gun. So it really spooked me and spooked the fish. So I tried <laughs> again the next dive, and it really worked. So the technique that I still teach now in courses, and it, it does work in most cases because fish are a lot more inquisitive than we are. Yeah. They can see us before we can see them. So instead of trying to chase the fish, what I, what I always do, I lie on the bottom. I dive down straight to the bottom behind the reef, and I close my eyes for a few seconds. And I don't focus on, dive, on, on, on hunting. I don't focus on anything. And um, then after a few seconds, I open my eyes slowly and I look around. And even if I see the fish getting closer, I will not just lift up the gun and, and aim and try and fire. I will look down again and then slowly lift my gun and point it to the general direction I want to shoot. And the last thing I want to do is then slowly, slowly open my eyes and shift my gaze to that direction while sort of composing, composing the shot in a way. Uh, and, and, uh, and and then taking the taking the shot, and it, it works with with most fish um, that I that I target, um, and it, my my technique changed, and and the way I train for spearfishing changed as well because I incorporate a lot more static training and comfort on the bottom, and placement of where I actually want to dive into my training. That's awesome. Yeah, right. So, yeah, that's kind of like the, what do they call that? The Is that a spatto? Yeah, but it's kind of with the Next adaptation. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, it's just changing your body language and everything because you're you're not focused on what you're actually hunting. You're, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I've, I've used it in, with varying success at different times. But uh, I reckon yeah. like after a few seasick pills, it's so <laughs> sleepy. You do it so easily. Yeah. <laughs> but, but like... Um, Probably only in six metres for you. <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter, mate. <laughs> Who's been shooting more fish lately? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, Erez, I've done your course um, and I loved it. Now, I noticed one of the things that stood out for me was there was a lot of safety training on there, stuff that I didn't even know or think about, and I walked away from the course going, holy crap, I've been absolutely reckless like for the last two years doing stupid things. Mate, what... What sort of tough situation have you seen out in the water and how could how could it have been avoided with good training? Well, unfortunately, you see a lot of different things. Uh, you see them yourself and or you hear about them. Unfortunately, you know, for me, being being where I am in, in the community and uh, um, having taught a lot of a lot of people, 
um, you do come across, you know, people calling you about emergencies or you come across emergencies when you go out, you know, diving or spearfishing from from boats that just go straight into into us, even though you have a float and a flag, in, in which case, you know, having a body with you is, is imperative to people that get tangled, uh, to people that have um, um, that went, you know, well beyond their limits. Uh, and either have a blackout or or even if it's just, you know, cramping up. Um, look, the, the way it changes, the way, way it changes the, the, the training and the way it changes the diving, I think every every situation that, that you come across uh, changes or should, at least if you're clever enough, uh, should change the way you operate on the next dive. So... Um, what was one of, one of the worst ones you've had, the worst phone call you've taken, Aries? And, and what, what ended up happening? Have well, you got a specific I, story you're allowed to share with us? Well, I've, take, I've taken three really bad calls in four bad calls in Australia since I moved to Australia of people. Uh, one of them uh, was uh, a guy that I was training underwater hockey with. And he was like, here is I'm saving for a course. And I'm, I'm, you know, I've been saving for a course for a while, but I'm going on a reef trip uh, in two weeks. And then he actually died on the reef trip. That was a really, really bad, really, really bad call. Um, and then a very, very good close friend. And maybe, maybe this, may, this may be a good example. Okay, that no, none of us is immune. Uh, I ran an instructor's course a few years ago in Brizzy. And one of the one of the the the, the, the guys in the course um, was very, very focused on speech. And um, he was just about to open, you know, a spearfishing oriented center and try to educate spearos. And he was into deep, deeper spearfishing. And he was very, very safety conscious and very focused and everything. Mm-hmm. The, um, Ten days after the course, mm-hmm. when um, the night after I, I, I was marking his, um, his final exam, mm-hmm. I got a call from his wife. That he's missing over in um, in Morton Island, and um, they found him after about an hour and a half or an hour. And they were spearfishing in in teams, and they were everything everything they did was okay. Yeah. And they were diving on a mermaid line. There was a bit of a current. They decided to move to a different spot. And um, when they decided to move, everyone met on the boat, and he stayed in in the water. And he said, "I have one more." dive to do because I think I saw a fish or something mm. and he never came back um, wow. so and he was a f- easy easy 45 50 meter diver yeah, wow. top bloke absolutely amazing Spiro and this one last dive that we always say ah it's okay we'll just j- stay in the water and uh, you know we'll, we'll let everyone organize themselves on the boat I'll do one more dive and then it's muzzled on the bottom of 24 meters and you don't let go of the gun. Yeah, wow. You know, it's, 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 I'm saying it's a shame doesn't even begin to, uh, to explain. Yeah. That would have been, that would have been, that would have been heartbreaking for you, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah um, pretty much I almost, just, I almost stopped teaching after that. Yeah. Wow. I went, I went to the funeral and I, and I sat there and I told guys, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm done. You know, I, I just can't do that anymore. And then one of the guys said, listen, it's enough that you save one person. You know, with the talks that you give and the the courses that you run, then you know it, it's you've you've done you've done your part. Yeah. And this is what I try and think about when something bad happens. Um, unfortunately, things do happen uh, every now and then. They do. And yeah. um, thanks for sharing the story with us. And it, it, it's every time we hear a story like this, it's kind of um, it, it make it makes us think a lot. Uh, and I, I hope it does the same for our listeners and everyone sort of reflects a bit more on their own diving practice because, I mean, like you just said, that guy, he was a 45, 50-metre diver, very competent, and uh, it can happen to anyone. So, ah, cool. All right, Eris, um, let's move on. Let's move on to the next part of the show because, yeah. um, thankfully, you still are teaching. So in the Veterans Vault section, uh, we'd like to chat with you a little bit about, about freediving, what the courses, the various courses around sort of offer for Spiros. And um, so the Veterans Vault is a section we sort of tailor make to, you know, 
whichever sort of special specialty our our um, guest is sort of um, you know renowned for, and freediving is it for you. So, look, I really wanted to ask some questions more for more for our audience's benefit than ours, ours because Turbo mm-hmm. and I have both done a stage A, eh? mm-hmm. but I, I wanted to sort of go into depth about what the various freediving courses contain and what okay. level you think Spiro should train to. Is, would that be okay? Okay. So the courses that we deliver, um, our Apple International courses, as I said before, uh, the first two courses we run, we basically have a few courses. So the first two, two levels are recreational by nature, which means that we're trying to remove all traces of ego and competition from our courses. Yep, yep. Uh, and this does help with make allowing students to actually learn and not just try to chase each other and and see who can dive deepest. Yeah. So you know the first course, the stage A, is limited to 20 meters. Even if you're a 50 meter Spiro, you you start with a stage A uh, because it provides you with the uh, the foundations of safety and relaxation and preparation, breathing, and what to do during the dive and what to do at the end of a dive when it comes to recovery breathing or hook breathing, like most of you guys probably, uh, um, you know, no recovery breathing as. Um, we talk about equalization technique. We talk about uh, the dive response a little bit and um, some dealing with emergencies. And obviously, if, if speed fishermen do the course, then we focus more on emergencies that are more applicable to spirals. If you have... Um, Photographers that are doing the course, we focus more on emergencies that may relate more to uh, to speed fishermen. Yeah. Um, then, then you have the practical component of the course, uh, which includes uh, pool sessions. Okay. Where we improve our breath hold, what we call static apnea, and then dynamic, which is swimming underwater. And again, it's not not specifically for you know all about form and pure freediving. It's more about practical tools that you, that you can then take and put into your type of freediving. So uh, if you're a spirit, then we talk about tips like the one I gave before and then the training that we do on the course um, works with that. So we do statics and then swims or swims and static and we see the differences between, between the different approaches. Uh, the more advanced include more deeper equalization techniques. We talk about um, emergencies that are more applicable for deeper speed fishing, such as decompression sickness, which we started seeing a lot more yeah. uh, with spirals uh, in recent years. Mm. A lot of people talk about you know drop weights and yeah. speed fishing deeper in competitions, and um, so it's important to cover these things as well. And then obviously on this on the last day of the course, we um, we go to the ocean, we practice the the different skills. Now I want to to mention something that you know you had a you had a chat with uh, with Trippy, then um, Summer and Andrew actually run modified stage A's which are very very speed fishing specific. Okay. Okay. So when they started teaching teaching those courses, there was there was a lot of um, code of conduct and rigging and different theoretical and practical applications of speed fishing. Okay. Uh, the courses, but it also included the, the the stage A materials. Now there's a little bit less of that because I believe, and I think Simon uh, shares my my opinion, that you don't just buy a gun and go spearfishing. Mm. <laughs> you don't yeah. just buy an STI and go driving around. Mm. First, you need to learn how to drive. So my opinion is that spearers are first and foremost freedivers. You know, even babies that learn how to swim are first free divers and then they learn how to swim because in the beginning they just hold their breath. Yeah. So you first learn the foundations, you learn the techniques, learn the safety, learn the how to work with the body and how to communicate and how to be super relaxed. The more relaxed you are, the more comfortable you are in the water, mm. the easier it is to spearfish. The, mm. the fish oh. sense you from miles away. Yeah, 100% for sure. Yeah, right. Aries, I've done your course, um, and I just want to ask you, talk to you about. There was a there was one little exercise that we did, and it was to uh, relax, hold our breath for a certain period of time, static on the surface, then do a tw- then do a swim, and then they we changed that to a swim and then a static. Mm. 
Can you tell us about the difference between those two activities and sort of what that's training? Yeah, how fun was that one? <laughs> <laughs> no, the second one was terrible. <laughs> now, the, the, the whole point of this exercise to uh, demonstrate to students how different your body behaves in something which potentially, if you're looking at the ratios, should be exactly the same or feel exactly the same. So if you hold your breath for 20 seconds and then swim for 20 seconds, it should potentially be just exactly the same as swim for 20 seconds and then hold for an extra 20 because it's the same time and the same swim. But there's a massive difference between the two. It's the difference between your body holding your breath, holding its breath and goes going into this energy saving mode. And once you go into this nice, slow energy saving mode, even if you start swimming, your body is still protecting itself by keeping the metabol the metabolic rate and the heart rate and oxygen consumption low. Mm. Whereas if you're trying to do it the other way around, it's sort of like sprinting 100 meters and then trying to hold your breath at the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Your body, as soon as you stop moving, even, even if you're just looking at it from a psychological point of view, as soon as you stop moving, your body says, oh, yippee, let's recover. How do you recover? You breathe more, you increase oxygen flow into, uh, into your, into your uh, muscles by increasing your heart rate. And this is completely counterproductive to what we want to achieve as spiros and freedivers. So by first minimizing the energy expansion at the beginning of the dive, and if you go back to what I said before about go down to the bottom, hold your breath for a few seconds, and then do stuff around, it follows exactly the same, the same principle. You actually gain a lot more bottom time by doing that. Yeah. I, one thing I've sort of found too is uh, sort of what comes into that is um, with the finning, the finning technique and the speed when I'm on the surface and then do my dive, if I do everything much slower and calmer, the, the breath hold or the bottom time, the static that I hold when I'm actually in the ocean is far greater. Because mm, you're sure. comfortable. Yeah. One of the other things I really got out of doing a freediving course was sort of honing right in on um, sort of the big, some of the big things that let Spiros down. We don't think about streamlining, mm. um, and that comes from everything from finning technique to, you know, how we hold our gun in the water to how we equalize on the way down. Um, on a stage eight, I mean, it sounds like when you're training people, areas and you possibly teach your instructors to do the same, you sort of, you tailor the course a little bit towards the audience or the, the people that are being trained. Is that, is that sort of how it goes? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But saying that, it does not mean that I accept the fact that Spiros dive crooked. <laughs> <laughs> so, Take off on a 45 degree angle for the bottom, you mean? Yeah, exactly right. So yeah. there, is, there is a time to streamline and there's a time to spearfish. And as you dive down, you don't spearfish, you actually free dive. And when you're on the bottom, you spearfish. And it's a big sort of distinction that I put. So obviously every student is different and every student requires something different. Mm. Uh, it depends on the gear that you're using. It depends on, you know, I had, a, I, I also run courses for photographers, just as an yep. example. Okay, I had a, one of the, the um, Australia's top underwater photographers um, during course a few, few weeks ago. And, and swimming with an underwater camera is as challenging as challenging or even more challenging than, than to, to spear fishing, you know, yeah. with a spear gun because of drag. Yeah. So how you hold the camera, how you hold the spear gun, it, change, it completely changes the actual dynamics of the dive and the actual technique that you're going to use. Yeah. Uh, diving with a big cannon versus diving with a, with a gun that you're going to use uh, for, you know, spearfishing in the rocks or diving with a gigi, it's, it's completely different. Yeah, yeah. You know, so the way that you work with the students is a little bit different. Although on the courses, we don't actually spear, uh, free dive with guns. You know, on the spearfishing clinics, we do at the end. But on the stages, you first, first you learn how to, to, to free dive correctly. Once you learn how to free dive correctly and, and streamline and, and align yourself and, and know where you're going, once you add a gun, it's actually easier. Yeah, okay. Rather than harder, it's actually easier. And in terms of? Um... Directionality. You know, if, you, if, if, for example, you're one of those Spiros that, that hold the gun above your head, yep. you know, and some people do that, then it's much easier to do a duck dive with a gun above your head than without a gun, just simply because you have a longer leverage. Yeah, right. In okay. direction. 
just something to think about. Yeah, yeah. Or where you where you put the gun in relation to your body, and where do you hold the gun on the way down? Where do you hold the gun on the way up? Do you really want to swim up with your finger on the trigger? If you're expecting your body to actually dive down and rescue you, that's a scary one, isn't it? Um, that's another one you encounter with with the new guys is definitely not having your finger on the trigger, and it's a bit like spitting your snorkel out. There's just there's a lot of things to learn, I think, when you're starting spearfishing, and I mean. Um, the show, our show's kind of geared up a lot for for learners as well, but a lot of experienced people listen to the show as well. Um, just stepping from a stage A to a stage B, um, what's the difference? What's the major differences there? Areas? I mean, you talked about more advanced techniques, but yeah, sort yeah. of like, if uh, yeah, could you could you break it down maybe yeah, a little sure. bit more? So, on the stage B, we take everything we learn on the stage A, which is breathing, relaxation, equalization the dive response, and we go, we take it deeper. So the course is not, you're not going to necessarily dive to 30 meters on the course, but the course is limited to 30 meters if conditions are good and if you're okay in terms of technique. But we're, you're, you're learning techniques which are a lot more applicable to diving a little bit deeper and longer. Okay. So we discuss the dive response, which is you know a series of physiological adaptations that happens in your body when you're submerged and how they affect the dive and how to maximize or how to trigger them and work with them to uh, to maximize your performance. We talk about more advanced equalization techniques like the Frenzel and how to uh, to use that to your advantage. We talk about you know emergencies like decompression sickness and narcosis. Yeah. Um, we talk about um, advanced breathing techniques such as pranayama breathing. So these are things that, that you know you cover and there's a lot more practical components the stage a contains a lot of theory we do a lot of learning uh, on the stage a on the stage b you do a lot more practicing mm. the stage c is another level up the stage yeah, yeah. Is a little bit more competitive a little bit more uh, self-realization psychology um, um more advanced physiology diving on exhale yeah disciplines yep. going towards like sort of like instructor rating or competition yeah okay cool just just recently just change gears a little bit just recently i i read a few stories from guys competing in the greece the greek spearfishing champs last year and a lot of them were diving constant weight or variable weight as you kind of identified and they're diving to really deep depths uh a number of them suffered um decompression sickness and various other things um and we also had here in brisbane probably a year and a half, two years ago, we had a lot of guys getting lung squeezes, mm. which I believe a lot of people experience over there in Greece as well. Um, along with that, I'm sort of, I'm giving you a whole big bunch of things to talk about here, but we had another guy recently who had an issue with his lungs and he wanted to get hold of a specialist diving doctor here in Brisbane. How do you advise people to find doctors in their area and, and how do you advise them to learn about some of these these issues that you can suffer at depth apart from doing a course? Well, look, it's it's very tricky to be honest because not many doctors specialize in dive medicine and even those who specialize in dive medicine don't specialize in free dive medicine, which is very different. Yeah. Like I've, had, I've had chats with conversations with doctors that are dive physicians and they look at me like like I feel from, you know, from a different planet when I talk to them. It's like, <laughs> actually happened. Yeah, uh, and massive arguments, and they, they took me off, you know, stages when I was giving lectures in med school in Israel, saying yeah. that I'm, you know, I'm full of myself and <laughs> something that I wouldn't want to say in, in the radio. Yeah. But um, look, the, the first thing I want to say is prevention. Prevention starts with education, and you know, I'm not telling people you have to do my course. It's not like that. But get education before you start doing stuff. It's very easy now to learn techniques online that can get you very deep, very far, and for very long within a very, very short amount of time. Yeah. yeah. When I started spearfishing, when I started freediving, no one knew how to equalize deeper than 30 meters. Yep. The world record was 50, and it took us years to, to, to get to, uh, to 75 meters in the pool. Mm. Now people jump in the water, join a club, and within two weeks they do 150 meters in the pool. Mm. <laughs> yeah. in the pool. Not me, but people do. But, yeah. <laughs> Not me as well. But um, look, it's just a matter of planning 
the dive and understanding that adaptation mm-hmm. takes time and especially in free diving and the biggest issue in free diving you don't see it coming you don't see it coming if if you dive too deep and if you do the wrong thing with your neck and you look around and you have big contractions on the bottom you will eventually squeeze your lungs yeah right and knowing that this may be the case may convince you to warm up differently yep. or stretch or not dive this deep or mm. change your profile or dive in a different way mm. or do some flexibility before and do some yoga mm. or you know, go and learn how to do it properly and mm. give yourself enough time. So, yeah. you know, squeezes is a massive one now, and it never used to be the case. Is that just because of the rapid um, development in depth? Yeah. And the body I having time to, to you adapt? Can, you can learn how to equalize really deep, and you can learn how to, you know, and it, and it also comes down to some, some courses as well. Um, when people during a course put a lot more emphasis on trying to achieve a maximum breath hold, and all, the, all you can see at the end of the course is photos of people with stopwatches, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. For me, that's not the right attitude, but that's just me. Um, or trying to, you know, I want to catch a red at 40 meters. You know, that's why I spearfish. I'll tell you a secret. It tastes exactly the same if you shoot it at 10. <laughs> yeah. I like them at 10. I, 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 like, I like it too, but I can also see the allure of it all. I, I, can, I can see it. I can, yeah. I can see it, and, I, and I'm not judging anyone. If this yeah. is what drives you, go for it, but do it the right way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, some of the guys that hold up their dive watches or huge fish or whatever, I, I understand the challenge and the planning and the training that's gone into it. And for them, it's like the end result of a huge journey that's got them to there. But other guys look in and go, I want to do that. And then they don't realize maybe the, some of the groundwork that's gone into it. And I can see how this competitive culture asserts itself. We're blokes. We, we're, to a certain extent, we're all ego-driven. So, I, But, I, I, yeah, I can fully see your point. They Fish taste the same, doesn't matter what depth you shoot them. And uh, we had a guy on the show, and I've heard it on another show, you know, the guy who's having the most fun wins. And I kind of I like that motto myself because I'm never going down to 50 metres. No. <laughs> it just doesn't interest me. No, it... it, it, it... Nothing wrong with setting yourself with goals. And if you're spearfishing for prize, all good. Yeah. You know, as long as you do it with respect and as long as you respect yourself and respect your body, not even mentioning respecting the fish and the ocean, but um, understanding that there's a lot of work that goes, as you said, a lot of work that goes into being able to go and dive deep. Because taking a big weight and dropping down to 50 is very easy. Yeah. Absolutely. Without getting injured is very different. Though. Shrek, respect your body. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that. Respect yourself. Uh, he's always got jokes for me, Ares. Um, all right, we're just about to segue out of this section. But um, guys that are interested in doing a course, Ares, where can they find you? And what other organizations do you uh, recommend to people, depending on what part of the world they're in? Well, um, in Australia, Apnea Australia, so apneaaustralia.com.au or, you know, on Facebook, Apnea Australia, uh, around the world, um, if you go into the Apnea International website, uh, apnea-international.org, there's like find an instructor section and there's like a map with all the instructors that, that teach worldwide. There's okay, cool. Is just added all the time, so that's that's easy. And if you know, if if someone lives in a country or in a place area that there's no instructor around, just shoot up an international um, um, an email or a message through the website, and um, someone will you know get back to you with with the closest instructor. And if we don't have anyone around, then there'll be probably someone else that can can help you. All right, cool. And without getting political, and and I'm not shit staring you. Uh, <laughs> what other organizations are pretty good? Well, there's a few different organizations. <laughs> it all depends on what you actually want to achieve. Uh, I find that it's in, it's more important to have a good instructor. Okay, so that's the key. Okay. You have instruct different, really good instructors that teach four different systems. Um, and so find and research the instructor you want to work with. And if you're a Spiro, then again, research the instructor and make sure that he knows what he's talking about, okay. that he has the experience. And, you know, it's not about, 
necessarily about you know the 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 logo on the card of the organization. It's the instructor yep. and it's what it stands for, and it's the the level of professionalism that you're getting from from that instructor. Cool, awesome. All right, we're going to wrap the section up. Any parting bit of advice for guys who are interested in doing a um, a freediving course or a tip, maybe? A tip, a tip. There's plenty of tips. Plenty of tips. Just relax and be patient. Okay, and don't forget to breathe. <laughs> until, until you hold your breath and then you go under, then just try not to breathe when you're underwater. <laughs> G'day guys, if you're new to spearfishing, I highly recommend listening to our episode Freediving for Spearfishing with Pete Ryder. Pete uh, is an entrepreneur and an excellent freedive instructor and he has come up with two great courses, the 10 meter freedive and the 5 minute freediver. I've used the 5 minute freediver to increase my bottom time, found it incredibly useful for my trip to the Coral Sea and I cannot recommend it highly enough. His other course, the 10 meter freediver, is a great resource for those just starting out that literally want to get to 10 meters and this course will help you learn proper breathing technique and some of the safety aspects associated with freediving. Use the code NoobSpiro to save 20% on all of Pete's courses. He's put together this deal just for listeners of the show. That's at howtofreedive.com. Use the code NoobSpiro. Guys, spearfishing is all about self-improvement. It's about practice, time in the water, and getting better, holding your breath longer. But you know what? Sometimes you can buy a piece of equipment that really lifts your game, and that is a good set of fins. Now, good set of fins, what does it do? It makes you more efficient in the water. They are more reactive. You get more bang for your buck in terms of energy in versus energy out. And the best fins, the fins that we love the most, that are not only super reactive and super efficient, but really strong and they're going to last years on your feet, are the Penetrator range. So get over to penetratorfins.com and check out their full range of composite and carbon fiber blades. On top of that, we now have a code for you guys to save $20 off your next set of Penetrator blades. So pump that code in, Noob Spiro, at checkout, and you'll save $20 off. Add to that. Penetrator is now offering a flat rate international shipping of $25 for you, the Noob Spiro listener, and even more, a full international warranty. So get in there now, check out all the great designs, and get yourself a set of Penetrator blades. All right, next part of the show is called The Funniest Thing. Look, um, with all your time out in the ocean, I'm sure you've experienced some funny situations. Can you tell us one of those stories? We've had some shockers here, by the way. I know you, you probably haven't listened to much of our show areas, but we've had poo stories. We've had what do we what do we had last time? Oh, we had humped by a turtle. We've had oh, we've had some good ones. Wow, fuck. Not sure I can. I'm not sure I can. I can top that one. <laughs> you don't have to top it, but what's a what's a really funny experience that you've had out on the water and funny experience. Experience. I can tell you one from one of your instructors, actually, when I did your course. Okay. All right, go for it. Yeah, yeah, so I'm going to dob Bjorn in here. So Bjorn actually had this really nice new, it was a Rob Allen wetsuit uh, top, and uh, one of the guys on the course uh, had some lube. You know, you've got to put these things on with a bit of lube. And he says, has anyone got any lube? I've got my lube. And the guy said, yeah, I've got some lube. So he squirted some in, squirted this stuff in thinking it was like shampoo or something like that, like the regular stuff that everyone uses. But I think what he'd actually done is is used an oil, like an olive oil and a water, and it separated. So obviously when he tipped the bottle up, the oil went to the top, the water went to the bottom, and he squirted water in this suit, which has done nothing. And so Bjorn's going to pull his new suit on his arm and just tore the whole arm off. <laughs> <laughs> and he was Poor not bugger. impressed. Poor bugger. <laughs> Well, this happens a lot. This happens a lot. I did the same with my competition where I said, take it off. <laughs> the end of the competition and I'm left with the hood on, but the rest of the <laughs> like, it looks very interesting in the moment. <laughs> nah, gear stuff is, uh, is, always, is always funny. Swimming up, I, I used to use clear fins, you know, the, the Omar Ice, whatever they were called. Yeah, yeah. We were diving, I think, the first weekend in Australia that the guys took me off to, to Avalon to, to a wreck. And I swim up and one of the guys tells me like, I think you only have one fin on it. I was like, no, 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 it's a clear fin. <laughs> down. I think you actually do have one fin off. One of the fins actually fell off the, the base, but you can't really see whether it's a fin or nothing. I was like, hmm, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely one fin off. 
our our our, um, our buddy over at Penetrator Fins is doing some clears now. They look they look phenomenal. Mm. Um, yeah, they're a cool looking fin. It's cool looking through them and just seeing nothing. I, I like them. Um, all right, that brings us neatly into our next section of the show, dive bag. So head to toe, Eris, when you're heading out spearfishing, which doesn't sound too too often these days. What's in your dive bag? Head to toe, what are you sort of using? Uh, Gearwise, brands. Yeah, yeah, brands is fine. What do you uh, like? At the moment, I'm using Salvimar fins. Okay. Uh, the boom blasts. I'm using, yep. depending on the water temperature, I have a, a Robin 5 mil open seal wetsuit or a Salvimar 3. Okay. Um, I use a, in terms of masks, I really love the Noah. Mm-hmm. Or the is that a Cressy? Uh, Noah is a Salvimar. Okay. Um, and a gun, I'm using an Omer Cayman. Cayman HF. Yep. Just, you know. Um, nice uh, gun. Very, very light. I don't like using heavy, heavy duty guns. I like the more surgical kind of approach. Yep. Um, and I also don't really shoot massive fish anyway. So for me, it's not that critical. Yep. Um, I, I want to shoot one fish and, and, and hit it well. Yep. Um, soft rubbers. I'd rather use two 16s than 120. Okay. Uh, or 116 just to be, you know, a, a little bit more consistent firing. Okay. Um, I use a rig. I have a reel on my gun, but I use a rig always. I, yep. yep. I, I understand people that like using reels, but I, I, I don't see it as a safe way to spearfish, so I always use a rig. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And, you know, with a float and a flag and everything. Yep. And, uh, yeah, a knife, obviously. And yeah. uh, I usually two, have a camera. Two, two knives, you said earlier. Yeah, I usually have, <laughs> usually have a camera as well. Either a GoPro when I go spearfishing or uh, or my, my bigger camera. What's your bigger camera? Uh, I have an Olympus OMD okay. in a Nauticam housing and a fisheye lens. And I have a Canon 5D Mark IV in a Nauticam housing and a 1635. So that's more of a big camera when I you know shoot whales and free divers. I, I use that one. Yeah, wow. So do you have to get a permit for shooting whales? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I've seen some of your tours over there in Tonga. Um, they they come right in there, and it, it's a pretty good experience. I've spent a little bit of time out in um, Vava'u, so mm. uh, that's a pretty special place. It is special, very, very special. All right, cool. Next part of the show, last part of the show too, is Spiro Q&A. This is like generally a faster round of questions. So... What's the single piece of a best piece of advice you've been given for spearfishing or freediving, or both? Dive with a buddy. Yep. Yep. Classic. Def- definitely, definitely okay. the most important. And, and and to tell the truth, when I started freediving, like more of a professionally freediving and teaching freediving, I would I would not be caught dead diving alone, but I would still go spearfishing on my own <laughs> <laughs> because it was different. Yeah. No, it's not free. It's not as dangerous as free diving. But then I sort of woke up one morning and I said, "Who the hell are you kidding?" Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more complicated spearfishing than free diving. So, best piece of advice: dive with a buddy. Okay. Um, cool. You'll enjoy it more, and yeah. Awesome. All right. Who's been the most influential person or people in your spearfishing, and why? You you, mem- you, you mentioned Pippin Ferreris earlier, um, but I mean, in terms of your spearfishing. What person's yeah, well, probably Pippin was, Pippin was not really my my inspiration. I, I value Umberto Pelizzari a lot more than Pippin, to be honest. Um, from from his approach to free diving and, and more holistic and everything, yep. there's a few others as well. Uh, from a spearfishing perspective, I actually really like Simon Trip, to be honest. Yep. Um, and Andrew, the way that they approach spearfishing, yeah. You know, in terms of, of, of thinking about it from a, a conservation and, and, and um, um, ecological point of view and promoting it. So, yeah. He's a top bloke, old Simon. He's uh, he's done a lot for us. And he was actually the first guest we had on the show. Number one. Number one. No, we, Simon trip. we had some of our drunk mates on. But <laughs> <laughs> he's not lying, Errors. We did. We interviewed a couple of our mates and those interviews no, will never. See the light of day. Never. <laughs> if, if you had to start out spearfishing all over again, what yeah. would you do differently? Um, what I would do differently, I reckon I would actually learn how to hold my breath before. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I caught myself in you know getting stuck under rocks and <laughs> fighting my way up back up. 
and and then trying to do the same thing again three seconds later without recovery, just learning how to do it properly would um, would save me so much time and so much grief. Yeah. When you meet someone um, in normal life, Eris, and they have no experience with freediving or spearfishing, what's the kind of the number one thing you want to communicate to them about our sport? Uh, well, it's different with freediving and spearfishing. So if we're looking at spearfishing, then that it's not just a ego-driven kill, kill, kill sport. It, awesome. It's a lot more sustainable than that. And if it's freediving, again, it's it's a safe activity, and I, I won't even call it a sport. You know, the sport of freediving is just a tiny bit, tiny part of freediving for me. For me, freediving is more more of a lifestyle or art. So, um, yeah. Do you do you emphasize the safety so heavily because it's perhaps perceived as dangerous? Yeah, for sure, for sure. There is an element of danger, obviously. You know, it's an extreme sport at the end of the day, whether it's speed fishing or or, or freediving or even underwater photography. Mm. Uh, it's safer than scuba. It's safer than netball, believe it or not. Uh, so I actually researched that. Um, Turbo, <laughs> Turbo might be able to verify yeah. that. Turbo, you've been injured, injured on the court, buddy? You've done a lot of nails on the court recently. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's still an extreme sport because if anything goes wrong, the window of opportunity is so small mm. to respond. So you have to be safety focused and then if you take a step back you're still safe enough mm, mm. yeah cool all right have you got any um parting piece of advice for our audience Aries? Well, i think we're going to wrap this one up well i think you're doing an awesome job guys i think it's a really 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 important important task that you took up and um you know trying to sp- spread the love and spread the word and and um educating people in, in techniques and helping each other. After all, at the end of the day, it's a community. Yeah. And uh, being a part of a community is always good. Yeah. No, no thanks for that, Eric. That's, that's really nice. And uh, we, look, where can people find you? Are you on social media? I am on social media. Just look up Eris Beatus, or you can find me through Apnea Australia as well. We're going to have to. We're going to have to remember that. Errors Beatus. I've been mm. saying it wrong for probably I've been three years. Beatus. Yeah, I've been saying Beatus. <laughs> like you're an egg or something. Be like, Sorry uh, about that. like Wayne Judge and call me Erez. I judge you love that. Uh, that's good. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on here, Errors. I'll link up some of your social profiles in your show notes, and uh, and I'll also link up Apnea Australia uh, and Apnea International as well. So, yeah, no, cool. Look, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Aris. Catch you, man. See you, guys. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode with Arez Biardis of Apnea Australia. We hope you got something out of it. We hope that you think about uh, doing a freediving course to Im- improve your freediving and, and make you more effective at spearfishing and, uh, and, in- and make you a safer diver and uh, learn to understand your body and how it works at depth and all those kinds of things. It's a, an invaluable uh, thing to do, one of those courses with a reputable freediving uh, instructor. So a big thank you to Arez for coming on the show. Now, next fortnight's show is a really, really funny one. We interview uh, Jim Russell from California. Now, he's an absolute character, and if you follow him on social media, you'll see that he has an absolute ton of fun spearfishing over there in California. And uh, he tells us all about the conditions and what you can expect in California, species-wise, weather conditions, time of year, all that stuff. He gives us a real local's insight into what to expect in his part of the world. And I think this is an absolutely invaluable episode for somebody who's in that area and wants to start or is sort of just learning their way over there. And uh, this is a great episode. And it's not just informative, but Jim is an absolute character. And uh, it's just a really, really funny and entertaining episode. And we're sure you're going to love it. Now, if you want to support us here at the Noob Spiro podcast, please get online, interact with us uh, on social media. Maybe tell us what you want to hear or who you want to hear from in the future. We love that kind of stuff. And uh, leave us a review on iTunes or just anywhere. Leave us some sort of positive review. We'd love that. Anything positive is good. Um, and that just uh, it helps keep us going. It helps us rank better and uh, helps other Spiros find us. 
But uh, a big thank you to Erez and a big thank you to you for listening, tuning in and downloading the Noob Sparrow podcast. We couldn't do it without you. And uh, until next fortnight, dive safe and never dive alone. Ever thought of yourself as a bit of a writer? Well, here's your chance to write something for Spearing Magazine. That's right. Head to spearingmagazine.com and submit your article now to be published in Spearing Magazine. Now, they're not just going to let you in. Trust me, we've had a fair crack at this and we're still not published. But if you're better than us, you'll get in Spearing Magazine. So get on over to spearingmagazine.com and submit your article. Yeah, Spearing Magazine runs on high-quality contributions from Spiros just like you. They've had stories from every corner of the globe. Get on spearingmagazine.com. G'day, guys. Thanks for listening today and joining Turbo and I in the studio with another great guest. Now, today's show was proudly brought to you in partnership with spearfishing.com.au. Adreno have also put together a code for listeners of the Noob Spiro podcast where they can save $20 on all purchases over $200. That's right, punch in the code Noob Spiro when you buy your next spear gun or wetsuit at spearfishing.com.au and save yourself 20 bucks. It's a no-brainer. Shop with our sponsors Adreno at spearfishing.com.au and support the Noob Spiro podcast.